two of Unpacking Your Mind. So let's start with some introductions. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty bomb. Thanks for asking, Joyce. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing pretty good, yeah. Yeah, it's been a PG day. I found out I got into another college, so that's fun. Um, nice. Yeah, so it's been a pretty good day. Pretty, like, oddly monotone, but at the same time, also very entertaining. Nice. I have what about a you, hockey game in about Ooh. three hours, and it is going to be raining, and it is against our rival. It just doesn't sound good right now, but that's okay. We'll push through it. I have my road test tomorrow, so I'm kind of stressing about parallel parking. Great. Normal teenage things. <laughs> uh, parallel parking, it's a whole other level of driving. I've never parallel parked once. No, that's a lie. I've, parallel I've done it once, but that's about where it stops. I did it once because my mom told me that, like, I had, like, she was getting really annoyed because we were driving for a while, like, looking for a spot. We were in downtown, and she was like, look, a spot right there. And, of course, it was the only spot, and it was right behind, like, this fancy Lamborghini. And so I was like, oh, like, what, what if I scratch this car? Like, you don't understand how much money will I have to pay? And I did it, and it was fine. So I guess it was all right, but it was just very terrifying. Yeah, it's scary. All right, so today's quote of the day is actually by me. It's something that just popped in my head. It comes in my head, like, all the time since, you know, this, like, this episode is about anxiety. It's episode two. Um, and I always tell myself to keep it in the day. And what I mean by that is when it comes to things like anxiety, I personally tend to always flow either to the past or straight to the future. I never stay in that same day. I'm never present. So I tell myself, and like, why am I thinking about the past? Why should I, like, in a way, why should I suffer about thinking about the past? Why should I suffer for that? Why, like, and same with the future. Why should I have to think about that? And why do I have to suffer for that reason? You shouldn't have to, you know, being mindful and thinking about things and being present in the moment while we're living and young I think at the end of the day, like keeping it in that same day is the best thing you can do. Um, so, <laughs> so today we're basically going to be settling the foundation for future episodes by talking about some anxiety. Yeah, so basically an anxiety 101 per se. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've all dealt with it, anxious thoughts, at least in one way, shape, or form. Anxiety, like, it's a normal emotion that our, like, that our brain uses to react to a stressful situation or where you're in potential danger. It is completely normal. Um, occasional anxiety is okay and totally normal, but anxiety orders are slightly different. Uh, anxiousness can, be an, or can slowly form into an anxiety order if it starts to interfere with daily like, activities such as job performance, schoolwork, and relationships. Um, and you'll notice how this generation is way more anxious than other generations. And why is that? Like, why is our, like, Gen Z generation, why do we tend to be, like, more depressed and anxious than the other generations? Um, it's because it's being diagnosed more. And obviously that answer is, you know, pretty relevant. Um, but according to the National Institute of Mental Health, almost one in three teens aged 13 to 18 years old are suffering from an anxiety disorder. 
Yeah, and now more than ever, I think we're all dealing with some kind of anxious feelings at some sort of level. Like seriously, it can be experienced on so many different levels, overanalyzing our actions, thinking about how people are going to judge us. Heck, even feeling afraid to tell your waiter the menu order, which I think has happened to me one time too often. And I think all Gen Z can attend to this. We don't want to ask the waiter for ketchup. It's just what we do. And criticizing yourself all the time, which I could go on, but it would get kind of dark. And we hear so much about adults telling us about anxiety, how to deal with it and seek help and that it's great really but i think hearing it from our perspective as like you know like youth could help a lot like where what are some of anxiety like you guys have like how do you deal with it what are you thinking about on a day-to-day basis yeah so for me to put things in some perspective my brain is probably going full speed 24 hours of the day (laughs) and it's it doesn't slow down. Like there have been times where I've even woken up in the middle of the night, just my brain going, 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 or where I can't fall asleep because my brain will not just shut down. Um, I have so many anxieties, but some of them consist of like disappointing people or doing things wrong, hurting or bothering others. I get so anxious when I think that I'm annoying someone. Um, And another big one I have is um, not being good enough. That's been a big one for me that I still work on to this day. And the list can go on. Um, and, you know, I develop new anxieties, like everybody does. And then it sort of evolves from there. But how I deal with it, I, I do different coping mechanisms. I'll sit down and journal. Or if I get angry for some reason about it, I'll go out and bike or paint. And finding those ways to, like, channel out that negativity, it's, it's everything. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense, Carly. Thanks. And I know everyone is different, but I tend to have like overall generalized kind of anxious feelings. And no, I have not been diagnosed with anything. So I can't speak on the medical side of things, but I do know how it feels to be out of nowhere, get anxious about how everybody sees me and like how they see me. I guess what I'm trying to say is kind of, especially recently during this pandemic, it's been easy to feel anxious about everything, what everyone's doing, saying, and sometimes even wondering if you forgot something that everyone knows, like if you forgot to turn in a homework assignment, you don't go to class and you can't ask everyone, oh, were we supposed to do this? No, it's kind of more up to you. And if you don't get a reminder about it, how are you going to know? Yeah, so something that a lot of people tend to think about is when it's a good time to seek out medical help and to see a doctor about your mental health. Um, And I think the best answer I could give to this question is to, it's really up to you. If you know you need help, take a baby step before you like step up there. Um, It took me years to tell my parents about how I was truly feeling. And it's, it's a scary situation to tell them and to feel like you're gonna be berated for it when in reality, that probably won't happen. Um, But definitely seek out help if you're starting to worry too much and it's affecting your work, your school, your outside relationships. If you're losing interest in what you normally love to do, 
um, when your anxious thoughts are getting too difficult to like to control or they're more serious than before, or you start to think, or you start thinking that your anxiety could be linked to a physical health problem, or if you have suicidal thoughts or behaviors. Once again, this is all just suggestions, and normally these symptoms will last up to two weeks at a time. So if you experience any of these symptoms, um, normally it's combined a little more. It takes about two weeks, and if that remains consistent, I would highly recommend you go see a doctor and see what you can do. Yeah, and I think some general ideas on how to reduce your symptoms is to, like, of course, like the normal things, like getting up early, staying active, drinking water, eating right, avoiding alcohol or drug use. I think those are things that we hear all the time, but it just really depends from person to person. So, like, for me, um, I find that exercising, although I hate, like, getting up and exercising, it does help my brain, my mental health. Um, that helps me a lot and just drawing in general. So, I think finding things that just relax you and put you in a nice state of mind are helpful. Um, so I think in general too, just expressing feelings helps a lot. So I know that just talking to my friends about my anxious thoughts can be super helpful. Yeah, so having anxious thoughts can be completely normal, but sometimes it can be a little more serious. Everyone can get them from time to time. But I think what's really serious is when you have something called an anxiety disorder and they're all different and there are several different types of anxiety disorders. Some you may probably have heard before and these include the generalized anxiety disorder where it causes excessive and unrealistic worry and tension for a minor reason. Panic disorder, which is a sudden intense fear that causes a panic attack, where in a panic attack is chest pain, heart populations, and trouble breathing, etc. Social anxiety disorder is overwhelming worry and self-consciousness about everyday social situations, like an obsessive worry that everyone is going to be judging you, you're going to be embarrassed or ridiculed. And then finally, separation anxiety, which is like an anxious or fearful thing where a loved one is away or you're away from something and something is out of the normal or constant worry that something might happen to a loved one or just someone you know. Every case is different, though, and that's something to remember because no two people have the exact same type of problems. So, of course, if you need to get help, then you absolutely should. All right. So, now that we talked a little bit about what anxiety is, we're going to speak to our first ever guest speaker. Um, her name is Naomi, and today she'll be talking about some of her personal experiences with anxiety. Afterwards, we will have our professional speaker, Paula Meyer, and branch off into some questions that we may have. And we have a special guest here today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Naomi. All right. And... I hear, so how long have you dealt with anxiety for? So for me, I think I have dealt with anxiety since sixth grade, so like the start of middle school, but I was officially diagnosed with it um, freshman year of high school. 
Okay. And how hard has that been for you? Like, has it been difficult? Is yeah. it like your life in significant ways that you can tell? Uh, yeah. So I was trying to think of a few examples um, where anxiety has affected my life. And I think a few include testing anxiety. So for me, whenever I have to do something for school and it's an assessment, my anxiety will make me second guess myself, I guess you could say. And it just makes taking tests a little bit harder for me. Um, and another example I can think of is when I drive a car, uh, I get very anxious sometimes when I'm on a road and there's a lot of people or a lot of traffic. So those are just like a couple of ways that anxiety impacts my life. Of course, of course. That sounds really hard. Mm -hmm. And have you found any specific ways that maybe have helped you manage your anxiety? Like, I know... Sometimes I get a few anxious thoughts and talking to friends and family helps it. But what mm -hmm. about you? Um, so for me, I go to therapy and I've been going to therapy since freshman year of high school. And I've made that a priority in my life because um, I find that when I'm not talking about my anxiety, um, it stuff starts to build up in my head and it becomes really unmanageable to deal with. So when I started therapy and I made that a priority in my life, I think my anxiety started to go down a lot. Um, definitely not fully, but it's been a really good uh, coping mechanism for me in my life. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, um, thank you for your time. And yeah, thank you. I hope you have um, a great day. Push the recording. Okay. So whenever you're ready, I'll get started. <laughs> I am ready. What is the biggest or most surprising misconception people have about anxiety? I have a couple responses to that. One, I think, is... Um, when people are trying to be helpful toward others with anxiety and they say things like, just put it out of your mind or just settle down, it just doesn't work that way. And so I think that's one misconception that it actually is a, even if physically you can resolve some of the anxiety and feel less keyed up, let's say by walking around or meditating, there's a strong cognitive component to it that is very powerful and that shows up in the ruminations that you have when you're anxious and so it's really difficult to just put those aside and that's probably one of the main features of anxiety that needs the most work is that mental peace so it's called a portion of it is called repetitive negative thinking and it's very powerful in convincing you that what you're thinking about that is maintaining the fear is actually true so I think that's probably a main misconception that it's actually pretty difficult to alter that cognitive piece and takes a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. I Does that make sense? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And yeah. as like someone going through high school too, I can totally relate to that where people have been like, just just put it out of your mind. Just don't think about it. And I'm like, oh. Don't worry about it, right? Yeah, How many people like, say that? That's not exactly like going to stop me from worrying. So, no, yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. So then you end up worrying in private. 
Yes. Right? Because you feel like you have failed somehow and someone says, don't worry about it. And then when you can't get that thought out of your head or that fear, then you feel badly. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's like I've never, like, thought of these different perspectives. It's really nice to hear. (laughs) Good. Okay. Uh, Our next question is, when it comes to treatment options, what are some of the misgivings people often give? So I have a couple of thoughts about this. I think the best approach to treatment in general for anxiety and depression is medication and therapy. And some people need one more than the other. Not everybody needs both. But I think a misconception is that you do automatically need meds, and that's not necessarily true. Um, Because sometimes maybe people with a milder form of anxiety or maybe they have anxiety related more to um, circumstances might be able to manage it cognitively and behaviorally without medication so it's not automatic that a person would have to take meds we look at how meds can be helpful when a person cannot manage how intrusive the anxiety is becoming so if it's starting to alter how they engage in the world in a certain way whether it's physically or um, socially or they can't sleep or they can't eat then it becomes more important to look at how medication might be helpful. So that's one, is that it always requires meds, but it doesn't. And the other is that it's a long-term process, whether it's medication or therapy. I think a lot of people assume that treatment is going to be long-term, and it doesn't have to be. Some people choose it to be because they end up finding therapy really helpful at helping them maintain some of the things they're working on. Um, But it doesn't have to be long. It ends up being a choice that someone wants to make. If they're committed to a certain specific goal in therapy and say, I just want to work on this really hard for six weeks or something, they can do that. So that's another misconception, Carly, that you can actually choose the length of therapy yourself. And it's not necessarily some criteria you have to meet before therapy is over. Yeah. Yeah. Building off of that, then, that actually segues very nicely into the next question. Um, how have you seen this sort of societal stigma affect the people you work with? And what role do you think this negative stigma plays in people seeking out treatment for that, like, said anxiety? So that's a really good question. I gotta say, what you probably know, too, being in this community in Ann Arbor, it's pretty politically, uh, politically, that's funny, um, a psychological slip <laughs> there. It's pretty psychologically savvy here, and so... The mental health community is pretty sizable, and people are fairly accepting of it. So I haven't encountered a lot of stigma, at least around here. However, it occurs, um, and where I see it sometimes um, is in a generational attitude toward therapy. So um, often the, the... parents, right, or grandparents have more of a hang-up about a person entering treatment than that client, him or herself, or the young person. Um, Because they might say something like, I came from a generation where we just had to figure it out, or it's pretty self-indulgent to be so worried, you just have to get out there, and, um, you know, we never had that kind of help, and we turned out okay, 
So that tends to be the stigma that I've seen. And the way that I address that with a lot of people is as years and decades continue, we make advancements in the medical field all the time and we do that in the mental health field and so reverting um, back to those days isn't necessarily the best approach to treatment anymore you know if there are new interventions available or new treatment options or a greater understanding of the mental health field or anxiety we want to put that information to use in a way that can be the most helpful for people yeah it's just like a medical intervention right like discoveries about treating cancer we're doing that in the mental health field too yeah absolutely it's it's very interesting just to I keep saying that word interesting <laughs> but, but it's a fascinating it, it, field it really <laughs> is it's yeah and you're right like in Ann Arbor I you know we're lucky enough to not have to experience that stigma too like too often um yeah. you're right it is there and it does need to be acknowledged more and your answer was absolutely perfect <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious from you if you see it among your friends. The I do the the, yeah. the stigma toward treatment, or are your peers pretty comfortable with seeking therapy? Yeah, so it depends. Like some of my friends, they're totally fine with like reaching out and being like, "Hey, I need to talk to someone. I need to get this out. I can't hold this in anymore." But I actually have a lot of people who I actively talk to, and I kind of have to push them to take that step and be like hey I know it's really difficult and I know that you're afraid that something might go wrong because usually with parents they tend to not believe their child or they tend to just be like no we're not going to do that you're making this up for attention and it's really a shame because I see it so often now more than you would think Hmm. Um, but well that's a really valid point because by the time they're coming to see me they've overcome that stigma yes perhaps so it's hard for me to know what the stigma is yeah so it Mm -hmm. it, some people are so like they put on such a good facade and you can't tell at all that there's something going on like going on but other people you can tell and you gotta be there when you can it that's why you always want to be like empathetic and aware and as cheesy as it sounds like you don't know somebody else's story until you so true it's like even so the other true. day I was talking to someone and he told me this thing and I'm I was just blown away. I was like I had never expected my friend to tell me this before and you know mm-hmm. being aware is key. <laughs> yes. I have thing. a poster hanging in my office that says be kind everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle and I think it's true. Absolutely, for sure. All right. Wow. This is going very well. <laughs> Good. All right. Two more questions for you. The second to last okay. one is, uh, what has been the most memorable moment of your career, like in a conversation or experience, or what resonated with you the most about your work? So you can go off either of those or both. Well, that's a really hard question to answer. It would be like me asking you <laughs> what your favorite song is, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or asking a person um, their best playlist, right, or their favorite book. Because I I have just been doing this for so long and met so many people and learned so much. I think the memorable moments to me are when I see growth actually happening because 
a lot of people will say, well, you just can't change a person. You just can't change. And I wouldn't have a job if that were true because people come to me all the time wanting to change. And we don't need to change a person's core being. I'm not interested in doing overhaul in anyone's personality, but people change their behavior all the time. And they'll come in and say, this is ruining my relationships, or I can't pay attention, or I want to, I want to have more motivation toward that career, or, right, whatever it is. Um, I'm, I'm very moved by how hard people work and by the evidence of growth. And then the most... I guess delightful experience for me and magical experience is when clients will see that themselves and realize how hard they've worked and that they've reached their goals and that they feel so much better and it empowers them to keep going with their lives and it also allows them to um, feel like if they get in a, a spot again where they don't feel themselves, they can come back to therapy and keep working so I guess it's the, um, you know, the ability to accept uh, the emotions and their level of functioning and pushing through to something that's more rewarding. Absolutely. It's, you know, I've always thought, like, people don't change. Like, I've always thought that. But, like, I've never, like, thought of the behavioral side of it. I've never, like, mm-hmm. even considered it. But, like, <laughs> I'm, like, even looking at myself now and I'm, like, wait, like, you're really right. And yeah. Absolutely. It's huge. I've never thought of that point, like, a point of view before. It's 100 We can change. Right? We can change. Yeah. We have that mm-hmm. power. Or, like, the other day I even read a book quote or something and it said you can be a different person or not even you can be, you are a different person to every single person you've met. And you have that power to like be a good person or bad person. And it's, it's very fascinating to think about. (laughs) That is very fascinating. That's a beautiful thing when you see it it played out. I feel like I'm there as a, um, I don't take the credit for that. I, you know, I've had, training and extensive experience I'll take credit for that but really what it comes down to is how well how hard a person is willing to work so when I see them they thank me I thank them for being brave enough to engage in whatever they're wanting to work on and for being brave enough to be honest with me and sharing their innermost experiences with me so that they can get where they want to go so um, it really is a courageous process for people to go through. Absolutely. And, yeah, I'm kind of going to jump back to that point with stigma, too, and how you mentioned bravery and how a lot of people look at mental health as a weakness when you're right. It is. It's, it's brave. It is. You know, I never would have expected to think that, telling somebody how I'm feeling and telling like other people that, Hey, it's okay to talk about it, that it, it is a brave thing. It's courageous. And it's, yeah. it's very, it's guts, it, right? it really is. It's one of the hardest things to do in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And the last question we have for you, which is crazy flew by. <laughs> um, what are some of the best tips you have for managing anxiety what is some advice you have for some friends or family or people who are struggling? 
So that looks like a twofold question. I will say, um, all right, the first part, what tips? Um, one of the first things I talk with people about is whether they are getting enough sleep and if they are moving their body and some regular exercise because they're, those are known to help manage anxiety sleep especially so that would be one thing I would suggest to anyone to make sure um, they are meeting their goals that way um, when you don't get enough sleep your brain fights that fatigue by creating more cortisol which ends up which is the fight or flight neurotransmitter brain chemical and that ends up disrupting your sleep so if you're constantly fatigued then you're constantly creating more of this chemical that is constantly interrupting your sleep mm-hmm. so it, it becomes really important so that's probably the first thing the second would be <clears throat> some cognitive tasks then would be to um, and this is especially relevant now Carly because of everything going on in the world but to work really hard on making sure uncertainty doesn't become fear and we live with a lot of uncertainty in our lives just in general putting aside pandemic issues and political issues we just can't be certain of so many things and when we turn that automatically into fear we're living in fear a lot so we have to work hard sometimes at saying okay I don't know the outcome of that and that's an uncertain feeling for me but I don't have to be too worried or anxious about it. I'm just going to allow it to be uncertain. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. So, and, and, um, going on from there, another thing I try to help people do is to remember that anxiety and fear are emotions like any other. And so they get a lot of weight because they have a lot of energy behind them. And there's a physicality to anxiety. That's really hard for people to ignore the racing cart and, you know, agitation and things like that. But, it really is no important to us than any other emotion. So we have to dial back that, the, the energy and space it takes up in our brain and just keep it as, you know, equal on equal plane with all the other emotions. And it's important to say, okay, I'm uncomfortable right now, but I'm not in danger because fear and anxiety often turn into a fight or flight feeling. So, Part of feeling better is practicing saying, this is not a catastrophe. I'm not running away from a, a bear. I'm not running away from a fire. Now, if you are, then, you know, that cortisol is going to come in handy because it will make you run really fast and quickly. But if we're just dealing with day-to-day stresses like <laughs> grades or relationship stuff, you don't need to live in that constant fear. So the anxiety makes you feel uncomfortable, but it has to keep its place there and not feel like you're constantly in danger. Because then again, that fight or flight chemical ramps up, interrupts your sleep. It's bad for your body. It's bad for concentration. It keeps you revved up. And even long-term studies show that it can create health issues. Yeah. And of course, there are plenty of people we know that have anxiety that complain a lot about headaches and GI issues. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, yeah. So, 
And then the other thing I try to help people remember to do is not to time travel with anxiety because it loves to like ruminate about the past. It loves to lead to the future. So it's really important to try and keep your focus in your life on the present, what you're doing today, and not to time travel with worry. Yeah, it it's not. It. It, it's like you're borrowing worry from the future when you stress about something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And it's just a waste of energy. So that's where some of the mindfulness techniques can come in handy. Oh, and then, yeah, the other part about friends and family, I guess... Again, it would go back to the earlier question. You know, it's not helpful to hear you need to settle down, don't worry about it, or you worry too much. It's not going to help somebody who worries. It's just going to make them feel bad, and then they're not likely to share those experiences with you and feel better. So, in general, I just think it's helpful when we have a friend or family member who's struggling to validate what they're feeling and say, that must be really hard. I'm so sorry you're going through that. What can I do? And we just keep it at that. So it's a lot of patience. It's a lot of belief in the person that they are going to solve it. And it's a lot of support for their struggle and empathy. Like, I'm really sorry. It looks like it's a rough day for you. Yeah. What can I do to help? Instead of, you need to not worry about it. You're going to get into college. Don't worry about it. It's just not going to make a person feel better. And that trust between those people, too, like, I, it, it can be very damaging if you hear something that's totally like that. If it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you'll be fine. It's, whether they know it or not, it is so unbelievably damaging. And, and lo- probably a lonely feeling, too, I very, would imagine. Very, uh-huh. Yeah, so, those fantastic answers. <laughs> Uh, well then is there any like last thing that you would like to say before I thank you so much for being so flexible (laughs) (laughs) no thank you really you were flexible with me (laughs) with the uncertainty of life right seriously but last words would be I would encourage anyone who's really struggling to be brave enough to seek out the support of therapy because if they're willing to put themselves in that position even if it feels very vulnerable they're likely to feel better and that would be the goal and any therapist would um you know would want would want that as the ultimate goal too to feel better so that's where i would leave it perfect well thank you so much (laughs) all right carly it was really nice to talk to you thank you guys so much for listening to the first official episode of unpacking your mind this is Joyce, Carly, and Jessica. See you next Have a great time. day. <laughs> that was cute. That was cute.